Hi there, thanks for joining me for this episode of Gravity, a digital marketing and internet business podcast. I'm Bob Gentle and every week I'm joined by small digital marketing business owners, creators, consultants and practitioners working in this vibrant space who share with me what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. Before I jump right into the interview this week, why not take a second to subscribe to the show so you don't miss new episodes and you can dig into some older episodes with my previous amazing guests. This week, we're joined by Chris Huskins. Chris runs a digital marketing business which really orbits around the central theme of podcasts and podcasting. It's a very unusual business, but when Chris explains what his skills are, how he acquired them and what he brings to his clients, it will all make sense. So welcome along and let's meet Chris. Chris Huskins, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to just start by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's been quite a long journey, really. Uh, I've started off, well, I say started off, I reached the age of 21, and I'd had 22 jobs, um, (laughs) which normally means people reply with, you've seriously got a problem with authority, which is probably true. Um, But that's something for therapists, not podcast (laughs) listeners. Uh, The other side of that is that I just kept finding parts of jobs that I liked, but that never really fit the entire profile. Um, When I turned 21, I went back to do the thing that I wanted to do when I was a kid. Um, When I was a child, I used to have an old-fashioned karaoke machine with a double cassette recorder, and I used to record radio shows uh, in my bedroom as a child. So I used to sit there um, (laughs) speaking into the microphone, and then the worst thing was is that it couldn't record the music. So I had a secondary cassette player to play the music, which I'd then put that cassette player next to the microphone and then sit there in silence for three or four minutes um, recording the the piece of music and then turn it off and start speaking again. Yeah, I played with tape recorders as a kid recording stuff as well, but you went really deep on that. (laughs) Well, I always wanted to be a radio presenter um, since I can can remember. I I, I liked football, I played rugby, um, but I never wanted to be either of those. I just wanted to be a radio presenter. I grew up listening to to all the the people like... um, uh, all the big radio presenters and then when I got to my teens I sort of loved the 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 maverick style of Chris Moyles in the UK um, and some of the, the stuff that Steve Penk was doing with the jokes and things and I just loved it so I wanted to be in radio so when I reached 21 I said look this isn't going the right way I'd been in retail management I'd been in um, in, in various parts of retail I'd been in property for years as well Uh, But I was like, no, I need to go and give this a final chance. So I went back uh, and I became a radio presenter. So I was a radio presenter for seven years, working from community projects right up to commercial projects and and worked with Celador Radio, the guys who did Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, um, and did uh, shows with some fantastic names, Pat Sharp being the one that people from the UK would probably know. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Who's a lovely guy, um, and he pays me to say that. Uh, other than that, I then got to the end of that and sort of thought, well, unless you're Chris Moyles or Chris Evans, you don't make a huge amount of money. And you also can't say what you like. So there was a niggling part of me, probably that problem with authority again, saying I can't sit here and and, and say what has been put in front of me, the advert that's just been sold. I can't read that out with passion anymore. So I discovered podcasts, which you can say what you want. You can have that sort of 
maverick approach or you can create something that people are going to be listening to in 10 20 years rather than on the radio talking about little mixes latest diet or whatever and something that someone doesn't care about in in an hour's time let alone a week's time so i discovered podcasting i started a podcasting company ran that for two to three years with someone else uh, and then split that split off from that last year to create sort of a podcasting membership site and then i sort of discovered the other part of everything that I've been doing on all my jobs that I loved, which was marketing. So I was a store manager for, for Tesco, other supermarkets are available, um, and, and, and game as well, um, the game stores on, on a big basis. And the things I loved about in there was when we had big promotions on or we created content and all those things that, that we do as marketers now. But back then, there wasn't really content marketing as, as such, or it certainly wasn't as big as, as we talk about it nowadays. And I thought, oh, I, I really love that side. The podcasting business I've built has all been based around content and digital marketing. I just couldn't get away from, from the idea of loving that and creating that and helping other businesses do that. So I started doing that last year. Um, which sort of leads me to where I am now, which is running, uh, I'm from Chris Huskins Limited, which is a company name, but there's sort of three under that. So there's the Simplifying Marketing Consultation brand. There's Huskins Marketing, which is the sort of marketing services company. And then Pod Tips Pro, the the, uh, membership site for podcasters. I I didn't manage to wheedle all that out when I was doing my research. You've (laughs) helped a lot with the orientation. That's good. That's good. (laughs) I guess the core question there, because you do a lot of different things. But most mm. of the time when I speak to people who do lots of different things, it's actually just a couple that pay most of the bills. Where are you on that right now? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question because it sort of goes back to how this sort of formed out in that I was helping businesses with just making podcasts. But what I found is that there's a lot against, there's a lot up against podcasts. And I'm sure you know this, Bob, from the from promoting promoting your show, but social media pretty much doesn't like audio that much because you can go away from the, the social media site. So it makes it very difficult to just promote audio. So then you have to move into the realms of video, which social media loves. Google and and search engines can't crawl audio yet. Um, for for search terms, so again, it makes it difficult to have them discoverable on 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 Google and, and other search engines. So whenever I was working with a with a client on a podcast, it was very much becoming a much bigger thing. We were having to create blog posts of it. We were having to create videos of it. We were having to create the, an entire content marketing strategy for a podcast, which is then why it branched out. So. A lot of my clients are at the middle of their strategy is in podcasts. And that's where a lot of them, as you say, the money comes from, if you like. Um, But it's never just a podcast. And that's where I think they are the most powerful when they're a part of a strategy of everything. And your company, is it mainly you or do you have a a large team? Or (laughs) what does the constellation there look like? Yeah, so that was a hard lesson. It was mainly me um, when I branched off and, and started my own thing. That grew much quicker than I thought it would, actually. I thought I sort of gave myself a period of time to think, okay, well, I'm going to make less here and make less here, but and build building it. It grew a lot quicker than I thought. Um, and that just meant I didn't sleep. I was very stressed. Um, my first grey hairs started to appear, uh, which my wife was happy to point out every time. Um, and then... 
I thought this isn't going to work. This isn't going to grow. I'm not going to be able to scale this properly. Uh, and I heard a, a fantastic talk by uh, Richard Tubb um, on building teams out. And I thought, I absolutely love that idea. I've been been in many teams myself um, using tools like Slack and those sorts of things to build out virtual teams across the world. Um, and so I started to build a team out. So now currently I have a team where there's two full-timers in my company and about nine freelancers. So the team is really there. But what I've done is I've been really careful to to select people who are fantastic at what they do, but that are up and comers. I spent a lot of time working with universities to find people who are absolutely fantastic at things, but trying to, <laughs> this sounds like I've got really sort of high morals and it didn't really come from that, but um, it's trying to give people a chance and show them that that standard route from education into university to a full-time job in, in the middle of London or whatever, wherever they try to push you, isn't the only route. Um, and to show them the freelance world um, by working with us. Yeah, I think that's a really nice approach. It's actually very rare that people do nurture talent in that way. It's I know um, I used to run quite a large agency and the majority mm. of our team came that route. The freelancers that you work with, again, coming back to Richard Tubb, you're probably yeah. the third or fourth person that's mentioned Richard Tubb in <laughs> connection with uh, a revelation around building a team and mm. I really need to speak to Richard Tubb. When you work with freelancers, I see people doing that in different ways. Some of them refer these contractors in and then commercially step back. They don't really get involved in that relationship. Others have a much more project management role and the contractor, from the client's perspective, is, is simply part of your team and mm. you're obviously marking up their freelance rates. How do you tend to do that in a way that's, again, obviously aligned with your values? Yeah, it's it's definitely the latter. Um, it's meant I've had to do a, a lot of reading on IR35 because I'm building a team of freelancers that aren't uh, can't be treated as employees. However, um, that's the way I like to do it because of the way they've been brought in. There's a lot of it's not necessarily things that they've got degrees and I don't, so they know a lot more than I do. But there's there's certain tricks of the trade that I've learned that that we often jump on it on a zoom call and we go through this way to edit or looking at that and so I feel that that's sort of that that nurturing you're talking about nurturing talent and and bring it in so they had to be part of the team as such so and and I really like that team approach trying to bring them on board with with the vision that we've created um, and project manage them to a degree although I've, I've sort of stepped out of that side and I, I run more the consultancy um, Emily who's our operations director um, project manages the team and then I sort of step in when when a little bit of uh, yeah <laughs> helping is needed and for a little bit of context where about in the country I mean obviously you're in the UK for anybody listening in the US this guy's kind of local but if you're not in the US you're the other end of the country and I can tell by listening but where specifically are you <laughs> uh, so I'm um, Southampton so the, the clues in the, the title of the city really so uh, born and bred Southampton which kind of leads me on to another question different people come across their opportunity in different ways. Some of them it's very, very referral focused and in others it's all inbound through Facebook ads and things like that. How does your work tend to find you or is it the other way around you have to go out actively prospecting? No, I think that, I mean, I've I've come from a, a when I left radio jobs, I moved into the sales role of, of radio advertising sales for a small amount of time and that really made me not hate sales because I understand the need for it, but I was selling something I didn't believe in. There was no lead generation process. So it was very cold. So that sort of put me off 
doing things that way. So um, I obviously had firm beliefs in content marketing. So, but I mean, I would say it's sort of 60% referrals at this point um, and, and 40% is, is coming in from my own marketing strategies, which I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in practicing what you preach. So I've, I've sort of gone through all the processes I try to, to preach to, to clients myself. Um, and that's been a big thing that's that happened at the end of last year that, that has made a massive difference to my lead generation. Yeah, that's very unusual. I mean, most small marketing agencies, they really, if they are busy, they don't have time for marketing themselves. But I think that's where all the, the magic can happen. Yeah, and it, it very much came from creating content in it as well. Obviously, pushing out the consultation side, um, I had to start creating. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't sort of deny that video was was very much going to be a big part of that. And so I started really studying video and getting into that. And then I found that I couldn't make a video on how to create a customer avatar um, without giving away a template. And then a part of that was, well, actually, I need to be showing them my avatar. And at the moment, it's scrawled on on the back of (laughs) an envelope or something. So I had to then develop that out. And I said, well, I've got to go through all of these processes. So in actual fact, for me, whilst we were very busy, it became part of the content strategy as well. So I was creating the stuff that I knew all in my head, but actually making it making it look pretty getting it online um alongside making the content and that was actually really powerful because it allowed me to go through the stages for myself that i should be that i'm trying to teach as such and i went through it in that order as well so i was making changes to to all my documents regularly and obviously with podcasting being the sort of central pillar of your business and and everything around that you've got a clear technical niche as such you do lots of different things, but it does appear that the podcast's at the centre. Do you find that you tend to operate in a few vertical markets, or are you really quite diverse there as well? Oh, it's one of my favourite things about it, that it is incredibly diverse. And I think when we first started making podcasts with the old company, that was my definitely my favourite thing when I was the one writing, voicing and editing, because I got to just do research on the most mental different uh, niches so to speak so I worked on everything from recruitment I still work on recruitment podcasts to property Uh, I worked with a lovely lady called Natalie who had uh, the fertility podcast so about um, fertility issues as families and so uh, I worked on IOT um, all these different areas so I got I've been amazed and, and, and really loved sort of learning about them when I had to speak on the podcast and I've always carried that through to now so all of there's a massive range of different companies and obviously with a lot of it being referrals you then once you move into an area like recruitment or property and then tend to get another a load of clients that come in that area um, which has led me going down the route of oh maybe I should specialize in one of these but for, for my interest levels uh, I don't think I could. Has anyone ever come to you with a podcast idea and your reaction has been that's insane? <laughs> in a bad way or a good way? <clears throat> in a bad way <laughs> um, or a good way? I think that the one that I always re- reply to almost with that, but I'm, I'm probably a little bit kinder. I'm not very good at choosing my <laughs> words, but I try. Um, it's just when they're exactly the same as what all of their competition are doing and the other, what is 80,000 podcasts on iTunes um, or Apple Podcasts. So they're normally the ones when they turn around and say, oh yeah, we're going to sit on the on the couch and we're going to we'll talk about this with the different members of our team. And I'm saying, that's great you can build a strategy around that, but it's not going to stand out. Um, and that's when I'm like, if you, 
it's when they turn around and go, well, we want to do it anyway. That's when I go, that's insane. I probably don't want to continue this relationship, but I have someone who can help you um, and sort of hand that off. There, there are ones that have been insane in a good way. Um, and I know we've, we both just came back from Atomicon and Andrew and Pete's first series that I worked on was one of those. <laughs> well, yeah, I think Andrew and Pete are a good example because I really underestimated them. Um, I, I saw their stuff rolling through Twitter probably for a good year and a half before I actually engaged with any of their content. Um, and I saw them at the Upreneur Summit, mm. Chris Tucker's event yeah. in London in March. That was the first actual time I'd seen any of their content. I'd just seen them as faces on social media. And I, mm. I thought, who the hell are these kids? <laughs> what can they teach me about marketing? And oh boy, did I get that wrong. Yeah, and they're, they're even younger than me, so it makes me sick. <laughs> but they are very, very good at that. And they, they came to me, well, I went to them actually. I'd seen they were talking about social media and marketing world. I'd watched a couple of their videos and just went, hang on, these guys don't have a podcast. It just made complete sense to me that they did have one. Um, so I approached them in, in a very different way that I do most people in that I made a podcast of them. Um, which probably breaks all copyright and GDPR regulations because <laughs> I just ripped off all of the stuff I could find of them online. But it was called The Podcast Proposal and it was them. So it tied into a little bit of their emotions. Uh, it made them, showed them what it would sound like. Um, and they said it was the best proposal they'd ever got. And, and soon we were we were making their podcast for them, which was absolutely mental, um, but but loads of fun. Mm, I bet. I think I can't imagine anything more fun, really. Yeah, and I've still got footage of Chris Ducker uh, spilling water all down himself, so I'll hold that to <laughs> ransom for the rest of his life. Uh, I've seen. I've yeah. I was seeing video of him doing karaoke at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I had uh, been been paid to not mention that, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll leave that. I, he didn't pay me. That's true. Your 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 team now is quite substantial, albeit an element of them are contractors, mm. and that's happened actually quite quickly. What do you think? has really been the one catalyst that really made that work? Um, I don't mean to sound arrogant, but I'm going to say me. <laughs> but that isn't arrogance in the such. It's just that I've always worked with teams. Um, so when I became, I, I joined um, joined Tesco at the age of like 19. As just I, My uncle worked there for years. I said, look, I just need a bit of cash. Um, and he got me putting CDs on shelves working at Tesco. Like you do as a, a sort of weekend job. <clears throat> But within sort of six months to a year, I was running the electrical department. And then I took the store through a change from, from a small store to one of the massive ones, um, which was great fun. Um, but it meant that suddenly I was running, going, went from running a team of four people to running a team of 32 people with 18 aisles, three service desks. Um, and so I had to learn very quickly about how to run a team and how to get the best out of people, especially with me only being sort of early 20s. And some of the people there were were were. 40 years older than me that were, I was trying to manage so I learned very hard and very quickly how to try and get the best out of people um, and, and I think that that's been really developed in the last year by me letting go of control of things as well so when I first brought my first members of team on back with the old company I was very much like well this is how we do it these are the processes this is exactly how I edit something or this is exactly the style I want and it didn't really work it never I never thought it worked I ended up then working the weekend to make the tweaks to how it, I think it should sound and it didn't it just didn't cut through because I wasn't allowing them to to use their skill and use their creative license. And I learned that hard and, and applied that to all the things I'd learned in the past about managing. 
and made sure that I gave them that freedom and I gave them because the, because they're better than me at it most of them now anyway so I've got to got to embrace that and looking ahead a little bit what would you like things to look like in maybe five years time do you have a clear plan in place or is it really just take each day as it comes no well, I was I was very much take each day as it comes um, and that probably comes from the radio background because you never know what's been sold or what you're going to turn up to the next morning especially with the news and and things that were happening um but I went through a sort of period at the the end of last year of, of taking on some very good mentors who make me think not just of tomorrow but not even of just next year but exactly what you said five years time and so I've got it almost (laughs) week by week month by month planned out for a long period of time exactly how I'd like things to go um, which has helped me in, in building out the team because I've built out the team in the in the marketing services side of things because I know in two to three years time I want to be moving out of that side completely and just working on the consultancy stuff, the speaking and teaching and teaching is something I love and, and obviously I, I could speak for Britain so um, that's the side I want to move to. I've got projections that of growing the, the team within and, and I want to take those team members that I mentioned through that and, and make them sort of have their own teams underneath them for the for the consultants for the uh, for the services side as well so yeah it's very much clearly planned out um from a personal point of view but also the company point of view that is actually very clear it's something i often struggle with is having a clear vision because as soon as you have a, a clear vision it kind of changes and morphs into yeah. something else uh, sticking with a clear five-year plan is such a challenge because by the time you've set that plan circumstances have changed and new opportunities have arisen and you may pivot, but I think if you don't have a clear destination, the one thing is certain, you will not get there. And I, I really struggled with that as well. And it wasn't until I met these guys that took me through um, and we did a whole day sort of strategizing and they made me talk about where I was born right up till now, um, which uh, <laughs> which I'll do on the podcast now. No, um, <laughs> it's, the, but the, the main thing that came from it was aligning my personal goals with the business. Um, because they, they figured out, yeah, there's the problem with authority. I get bored quite easily. I need to be moving quite quickly. So they figured out that the only way I can, can really have a clear plan that doesn't just mean that, oh, I'm going to make this much money and that means I can do this with the business was to align my personal values. So my personal sort of goals, and that was looking at my family situation, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to, to buy, where I wanted to be in, in five years time personally, and then working out, okay, well, what does the business need to do to, to, to help you reach that? And that in turn, just molding those two together might not work for for a big company but it certainly worked for for someone running a small company because i just everything i do now it's like i'm reaching not only a a business goal which might be money it might be growing a team it might be getting a a massive client but it also aligns it to my personal goal which makes me get up in the morning and it makes me do it every day and and it's yeah made me get less bored i guess as well (laughs) Yeah, and that's important. And it's very easy to forget that yeah, digital marketing to the outside might seem very glamorous, but actually it's it's a lot of admin. Mm. Yeah, a lot of screen time. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll be charging many Specsavers bills back to the company over the years, I'm sure. <laughs> One area I'd like to explore a little bit is everything we've talked about so far is you effectively selling time. Are there elements of your business that you've either productized or thought about productizing so that you're, you're more in a sort of build once, sell many times situation. It's a model that I love and it's a model that I started with Pod Tips Pro. So that was actually going to be a paid membership site. Um, and it was, and it was making me an, a nice little bit of money each month. Um, 
But I, I sort of started backing the, the free education movement, the idea that education should be free up to a certain age. And <laughs> I started speaking to the people in that space. And then I realized I was being quite hypocritical and charging for, for an education site. Um, and I also, that's kind of the reason that I, I moved into marketing away from podcasting was that it's still an art form. Um, not, I'd say 99.9% of people don't make their, the money back that they invest into podcasting because it's a hobby to them across the world. And so taking their, their sort of money to, to try and make the money wasn't my thing. I'm not one of the dream sellers. I'm not someone who can put a picture of a Rolex online and, and try and sell them that <laughs> site. So I made that free, but it doesn't mean that I don't want to move back to that in the future with the marketing side. It's something I'm always thinking about, always planning for. Um, and, and there are elements of that in my sort of four to five year plan. However, it's just not something that I'm, I'm there with yet because I need to find my niche in that. I think there's a lot of a lot of sites that do that um, yeah. and do it better than I could grow in, in sort of a year or two years time. I think as well, there's a time and a place for that. Yeah. And most to, to do what you've done in your sort of agency side of things, I'll call it. Um, you couldn't have done that and to do the product side well at the same time, I, I believe. Um, having run a big agency, a bit big, I say big, I mean, we're not talking massive, but I couldn't have invested time into product at the same time. It just would have, it would have mean, meant that everything was diluted and the quality was, just wasn't there. Because as the business owner, if you've got lots of client work you're doing, that takes a lot of focus and attention. But so does product. So, yeah, I think there's a time and a place. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. And product is, is a whole nother marketing strategy, isn't it? It isn't quite the same as, as everything else we do. It obviously dependent on the industry. But um, and, and I think a big thing for me is just I've got real clarity and focus on what I'm doing at the moment. And there's an element of that that allows me to step away. So the, the agency side allows me to step away because I'm putting really clear processes in place, obviously still allowing creativity, but there's clear processes. So even when if, if Emily, who runs that side of it, wants to step away, we could find a replacement and, and still that she no one would be as good as Emily, obviously, but we can still, um, I know she'll be listening. Uh, I know, <laughs> but they'll still be able to sort of plug that in and, and I can step away from that. So there's less and less time that I need to spend in the physical doing in the agency. And then the consultancy side, I'm, I'm really in control of myself. So rates will stipulate the amount of time that I spend in that and I can cut that down when I want to really. So um, for me at the moment, creating something that, that lives on isn't the priority but it certainly will be in in four to five years time um as i as i want to spend more less time in a business so one of the things you mentioned along the way was avatar and that kind of leads on to what's probably my last question which is what does an ideal client look like for you and a, a lot of the time we take what we get yeah but if we could pick one customer we usually have a fairly clear idea of what that person would look like so what does that person look like for you yeah so mine's um olivia um, I've, I've gone through the process. So one of my recent videos um, in Simplify Marketing was was creating the avatar, creating a, a template. So I've got mine sort of really clear down to being Olivia. She's 42. Um, she started a small business when her two children started school um, and she creates beautiful beautiful cakes for all kinds of occasions but it doesn't just end there um, with making cakes in the local area. So Olivia's children are actually allergic to dairy products. And she's had to overcome this problem with her baking for the last sort of five years as the kids have grown. And so she's now on a, on a mission to help mums overcome similar problems of creating fruits without specific ingredients in them, which is a big sort of hole in, in the way that uh, cookbooks are made. 
I've got. Look, I could I could carry on with the story for for <laughs> probably as long as we've been talking about the podcast. But I've I've really narrowed it down to sort of that she she earns a certain amount where she shops. And this is these are questions I get asked all the time. Like, why do you need to know like where she shops? And for me, it's it's in the details. So okay, she shops at Next when she's clothes shopping because she doesn't have the time anymore to go around the high street because of the kids and the business and baking as well. Um. So yeah, that's my ideal client. It's the ones that are really small business owners because I like taking people through the entire journey and I think as well if people really want to understand why you've described Olivia in that way there is a blog post on your website that probably takes them through that I'm guessing yeah absolutely and a, and a video as well um, with with the YouTube channel that just uh, everything I'm trying to do is simplify it the big thing around the consultation side of the business but that when we take through to the agency is simplifying marketing and I think it's so easy to make it complicated because every uh, every company that's got a marketing product needs to sell their product so they do all of their marketing to say that it's the product you absolutely need to market your business and so we've got all of this conflicting information um, even myself before I've been guilty of it as a marketer just trying to do too much all the time so I've just tried to really simplify it back and that's why I speak about avatars so much when people say oh what should I do I don't know what social media platform to be on or I don't know what marketing I should use I don't know if I should have a chat but all these things it's going back to the real really simple stuff of going who is your avatar where do they hang out what language do they speak that will answer all the marketing questions you you ever really need in terms of figuring out if you do enough studying into your avatar you can work out all those other bits and you can focus on one or two very very powerful platforms rather than the overwhelm that, that I'm sure we're all we've all felt at some point of oh, I need to do this I need to create this I need to do SEO I need to work out um, that how I'm going to do my bot strategy and I need to do all of the six different social media platforms and the rest and and so that's sort of yeah it, it goes into that in in great levels of detail about working out who your customer is and working out from that what your strategy should be now you may have answered my next question already um, but if you could offer one tip or one piece of advice to somebody who's on a similar journey to you and i uh, or even a piece of advice to yourself a few years ago, what would that be? Uh, yeah, I have a little bit. I mean, for, for people that are looking to, to, to grow any business, I would say simplify everything for, for two reasons. One, it's going to make it easier when you expand and want to grow a team. And two, it will make it easier for your customer. Personally, though, it's that, that thing I talked about of aligning my personal goals with my business goals. If I'd have done that 10 years ago, I think I'd been in a very different, although I love the position I'm in now, I think I'd been in a, a sort of 10 years advanced from where I am now. Yeah, I think that's a really, really strong tip. So Chris Huskins, if people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? Because obviously, hopefully, this is just the beginning of the journey with Chris Huskins. Yeah, so um, chrishuskins.com is the website. Uh, I'm on pretty much every social media platform. Working in radio, I was lucky enough to get at Chris Huskins with pretty much every social media site at the beginning. Um, I'm not the American congressman or the guy who owns <laughs> a bakery in Seattle. I'm, I'm the marketer um, and podcaster. Um, and I've also got uh, the podcasting book is coming out um, early April. So if you want to sort of check that out, if you're into podcasting at all, chrishuskins.com forward slash podcasting book, which I've titled The Most Comprehensive Guide to Podcasting Ever, probably, because I'm not, <laughs> not, not arrogant enough to think that I know it all. It's out well in time for Christmas as well. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll do signed Christmas <laughs> presents. 
months as to work on an autograph. I've never been asked for one of those before. Chris, thanks so much for your time. You've been a great guest. I've really enjoyed speaking to you. And yeah, I would love to have you on again. I've, and also on a personal level, I have so many questions. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, Bob. It's been my pleasure. Chris has seen great growth in his business, and for me, one thing stood out. He practices what he preaches. He's both systematic and courageous in his marketing. It's easy to turn on promotion mode when you need new clients. The real key to success is sustaining that through the busy times. Chris has done this really well, and I'm pretty sure it all comes back to his mantra of keeping things simple. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe, and if you haven't already, then join our Facebook group. You can find a link from the website at bobgentle.com or just search Gravity Digital Marketing on Facebook and you'll find us easily enough. My name is Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Chris for giving us his time and to you for listening. And see you next time.